We're so glad that you've tuned in to the Rolling Hills Community Sermon Podcast. I'm T. Lusk, and I'm the Columbia Campus Pastor, and we're currently working through a series called Celebrating God's Goodness, where we've been studying the book of 1 Thessalonians. You know, thankfulness and living lives of gratitude starts with us, and it starts in our heart. And when our hearts are full of joy and thanksgiving, that flows out into our attitudes. And so let's start learning about how to have that kind of perspective and attitude each day in the things that we face and the people that we come in contact with. We're so thankful that you're here. Well, if you want to go and grab your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 this morning, and we'll get to that in just a second. I said it earlier, we started a series last week called Celebrating God's Goodness, and where we're just working through these five chapters of the book of Thessalonians, and and kind of along the way asking the question, what what does it mean to celebrate God's goodness, and and why is that that what we do? And, you know, coming out of a series called Eyes on Jesus, where we talked about the, in our world and, and the and our culture, how, uh, how depression and stress and anxiety are just blanketing our, our, our world. And what better way to, to remedy those things other than keeping our eyes on Jesus than also celebrating his goodness. It's hard to find yourself stressed and depressed and anxious uh, when we look, turn our eyes to Jesus and celebrate his goodness over and over and again. And so that's what we're doing over the next several weeks. And uh, as we work through this, I know this may come as a shock to you, but this will take us all the way through Thanksgiving and start our Christmas series as we lead up to that. And um, based on what we can tell, there's not going to be any supply chain issues that hinder us from being able to do a Christmas um, series that was funny and nobody laughed. <laughs> I tell you, when I wrote that one, I was like, that's going to kill. And y'all didn't. So uh, I'll scratch that out for the next service we don't have later. So. Um, <laughs> Anyway, last week, uh, last week we started uh, across all four of our campuses. Pastor Jeff uh, preached, and we we heard from him as we talked about First Thessalonians chapter one, and and what we talked about there is is, is celebrating God's goodness in others. And as Paul just kind of looks back and celebrates the what God had done in the lives of the Thessalonians, the people that he had he had ministered to there, and and we took this quick flyover of the past eighteen years at Rolling Hills and what what that's looked like as we've grown from a, 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 a meeting in a clubhouse in an apartment to a movie theater to where we are in Franklin and across the other campuses. We're, we're, we've just been able to see God do incredible things and celebrate God's goodness, not only in the, in, in the church as the, the places that we are, because the church is not just the buildings, right? It's not the buildings and the place, it's the people. So we got to celebrate and think about what God has done in, in the life of Rolling Hills. And uh, this week we're going to look at chapter 2. And in chapter 2, the main idea for this Sunday is this, that, that as, as we look at it, it's very simple, that it starts in our heart. That to live lives that are marked by gratitude, that perpetually celebrate God's goodness, it begins, it starts in our heart. And we're going to work through that this morning. But before we do, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And Lord, we pray these words that King David, a man that you, uh, you declared was a man after your own heart, that he wrote in Psalm 119, Lord, we pray these words this morning, that you would teach us, Lord, the meaning of your word and help us to understand your instructions so that we can walk in obedience to it. And Father, you would show us your path because it's in your way, in the way that you teach us to walk, that we find life and joy and peace. 
You would incline our hearts, Lord, towards you and your word and away from selfish things and selfish pursuits. You would turn our eyes towards you and towards your word and away from useless and fleeting things. You would open our eyes to behold wonderful things in your word, to hold those things near. Or that you would remind us and reassure us of your promises and that you were faithful and that you would remind us and reassure us that by the blood of Jesus, that you have taken away the disgrace and the shame of our sin. And Father, would you be glorified above all names in this place today as we open up your word. Holy Spirit, have your way and transform hearts. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to begin, I'm just going to read, if you have your Bibles, you can read it there on an app or whatever, it will come up on the screen as well, the first four verses, and then we're just going to kind of work through the verses from there. So beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2, it says this, it says, you know, brothers and sisters, this is Paul writing again to this, this church in Thessalonica, or Thessalonica, it says that you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without result. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with, your, but with the help of God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong oppositions. For we appealed, for the appeal we make, that we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who test our hearts. And we said a second ago that this big idea is that it begins in our heart, right? It'd be this, this life that is marked by gratitude that celebrates the goodness of God. It begins, it starts in our heart. And what Paul right here in the beginning, with the first kind of note, if you're following along on your worship God there, the first note that we have there is, is this, that that, that that beginning, that it's a heart that is transformed by the goodness of God. That it begins in our heart and it's a heart that is transformed by the goodness of God. I, I can only hope that you guys have a group, at least one or a group of friends that are, that are old friends, right? Folks that, that really know you before the people who know you now knew you. Does that make sense? Like that, that they know who you were before who you are now, right? They can call you out when they see you acting in ways that are different and, and not who you are. I, I personally do, I have, I have a group of, of guys that are, are, are really good friends. And you know, it's those people that you find yourself when you're around them, you, you, you maybe use the, the phrase too many times, like remember that time when? Right, when you talk about life. And, and I've got a picture of those guys that are my buddies. This is a group of guys that, um, that I've known these guys, all of them, no less than 18 years. And these, the, the, the guy in the purple I've known since I was 11, so 30-something years of my life. And the other two guys that are standing next to him, so the three that are on your left, I've had more life with them than, I have not, than I've had without them as close friends of mine. They know more about me than just about anybody other than my parents and my sister and my wife, hopefully, even though she probably still doesn't know things that I'm hoping they don't tell her. 
But all of these guys either have served as pastors or serve in significant roles in their, in their church where they are. And, and, you know, once a year we get together and we, we spend some time on a weekend and uh, we, we just hang out. And, and a lot of the time that we spend there is spent around a fire telling stories about stupid things, not all the time stupid, but things that we've done and places that we've been and life that we've shared together and remembering the things that we've done and laughing and crying and just enjoying being around each other. It's a fantastic time. And as you read 1 Thessalonians, what I think we forget sometimes, what we have to remember is that Paul's writing a letter to this church at Thessalonica. And what he's doing, especially in these first two chapters, in chapter one we covered last week and this week, what he's doing is he's reminiscing about the time that he spent with these precious brothers and sisters that he watched their lives transform as he spent time with them in Thessalonica, as he was on his missionary journeys. These are precious folks to him. And as he's writing, he's reminiscing, he's thinking about celebrating the heart transformation, the lives that they're, the fact that their hearts were transformed by the goodness of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And it says in 1 Thessalonians, and we, we read this last week, but I want to just go back to it. It says, for we know, brothers, Paul writes this, for we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because the gospel came to you, not simply with words, but with power and the Holy Spirit and deep convictions. You know how we, loved, we lived among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Thessalonians, this, this, the city that he's writing to, the people that are there, it's a city that was, was filled with idols and these institutions or these temples where they would worship the Greek gods, the Greek gods that we learned about in, in middle school and high school. They, they, they was filled with these Greek, these temples to these Greek gods. And the people that he's writing to were not just in that culture, they were a part of it. They went to those temples. They worshiped those gods. They sacrificed what those gods desired for them to sacrifice, what, those, what was the prescription from those priests in, the, in those temples. They, they sacrificed, and that is until they heard the good news of Jesus Christ as Paul came to them. And their lives were transformed by the gospel. Their hearts were transformed by the goodness of God and the gospel of Jesus. And he says this in 1 Thessalonians again, in chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, and they, tell how, and they tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, to wait for a son from heaven who, was, who he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescued us from the coming wrath. You think the reality for us that, that, that this is the, really the most important thing that we're going to talk about this morning, and if you miss everything else, you don't want to miss this. Doesn't even matter if you, if you miss this. That the power of the gospel, the power of the gospel is that it makes us new. The power of the gospel is that it makes us new. Second Corinthians, Paul writes this, that, that the, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. The gospel gives us a new heart. It gives us a new direction. It gives us new perspective. It gives us a new life. And it, the, gospel trans, the gospel transformation that happens is both personal and corporate. It's personal. It happens both personally and in community. And the question a lot of times that you have when you have these conversations, why do I be, need to be made new? What does that even mean that I need to be made new? And, and the, the truth, and listen again, this, that none of this other stuff matters if, if you don't understand this. 
We need to be made new because if without a relationship with Jesus, the Bible tells us that we're broken and that we're lost. Paul writes in Ephesians that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Jesus himself in the gospel of John, John chapter 5 verse 24 says this, that very truly I tell you that whoever hears my word and believes him, this is Jesus saying, you hear my word and believe the one who sent me, that would be the father, that he has eternal life. And he will not be judged. He has crossed over from death, which means that's where we were into life. That we were dead in our trespass. We were in this old life, the old life, this heart that was of stone that God gives us a new heart and he makes us new. The glory, the goodness of the gospel is not that it makes good people better. It's that it makes dead people alive. It makes slaves free. And nothing else matters if, that, if we don't celebrate that thing. You see, Paul had experienced that gospel transformation, that transformation that came by meeting Jesus and giving his life over to Jesus. And when he experienced that gospel transformation, it compelled him to share it. And above all the other things that Paul could celebrate, he celebrates the, the transformation that happens at the goodness of God and the gospel of Jesus among all the things that I could celebrate in my life. And there's so many. I was just thinking about those, the picture of those guys. There's so many things. And my family being in the room, there's so many things that I could celebrate. I mean, all the things that I could celebrate, far above all the things that I could celebrate this morning, what is most important is that 17 years old, by the grace of God, through faith, he transformed my heart. And at Rolling Hills, when we talk about all the things that we could celebrate, and we did last week, that overview of things, all the things that what stands far above it is that the gospel, the goodness of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ continues to transform hearts. And, and lives that celebrate the goodness of God begin with hearts that are transformed by the goodness of God and the gospel of Jesus. And this morning, if, that's, if you're here and you have maybe for the first time you, you, you're hearing that and it's clicking for you, listen, really today what I want you to hear is that today is a day that you respond to that. That the truth is that while, while all in, in this room, if, you've, if you're thinking, maybe that's not me or, or, or I'm not the one that, that you're listening to, you don't know what I've done, and all the places that, you've, that you think that you're hiding, the darkness that you think you're hiding, that God sees you and he knows you. And Scripture tells us that while we were still sinners, that Christ died, he laid down his life as a sacrifice for us to completely pay the ransom for our sin and our rebellion. That while we were still running and looking for joy and peace down dead end after dead end, Jesus saw us and laid down his life for us, that we could have relationship with him. That those who are dead could have life and life abundant. If that's you today, listen, today is the day that you respond to that. The gospel doesn't come today, what I, what I pray is that the gospel doesn't come to you as, or it comes to you the same way that it says Paul, Paul says it here, that it comes to you not simply with words, but with power and deep conviction of the Holy Spirit. Today, after this service is over in just a, in just a little while, we've got a little while to go, so don't just jump up right now. Slow down. I'd love to have a conversation with you. And, that, and just what it looks like to take that next step. 
When we can set up a time to have, a, have coffee or have lunch, I'd love to hang, hang out with you and just find out where you are and what it looks like for you to, to continue to, to take that next step in your relationship with Christ. Maybe you just have questions. You're like, I'm not ready, T, but I have questions. Let's have that conversation. Because I believe if God is moving in you with the Holy Spirit is, is moving with deep conviction and the gospel is coming to you with power, then there's already at work a transformation in your heart. And I'd love to have that conversation with you. We'll move on this morning. Begins, the gospel of the lives that are marked by gratitude, that celebrate the goodness of God, starts with a heart that is transformed by the gospel and the goodness of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And secondly, it's a heart that trusts in the goodness of God. A heart that trusts in the goodness of God. And one of those guys that are in that picture that we just showed you, a couple years ago we had a conversation while we were sitting and hanging out together in one of those weekends. And he, had the, he made this comment, and, and it, it's, I've run it over in my head so many times since that day. It was just such, such a rich truth for me. But in the moment, as he was just sharing a, a little bit of a life update where he was and how in this moment in his life, it really wasn't what he thought it would look like when he dreamed about life years before. Things had not kind of worked out the way that he thought that they should work out. And, and this is what he said. And it, again, it just stuck with me so much. And I, I roll it over my head all the time. He said this, it says, it comes down to this, either God is good or he is not. He says, it comes down to this, that either God is good or he isn't. And since I believe that he's good, the question is, do I trust him? Either God is good or he's not. And that since I believe that he's good, it comes down to the question of do I trust him? Do I trust that him that even though it's not the way that I thought it would look, that's not what I planned for my life at this moment, that God is still good. And if I say that I trust him, that I have to believe, and this is what he said that was so clear. If I say that I believe him and that he's good, that I have to trust that in his goodness, he's not keeping anything from me today that would be good for me in the life that he's called me to live. Because we live lives, right? We live lives that are longing for the next thing. We live lives that, and our culture is built around this reality that, that there's something else out there that will make your life better. I mean, whole political platforms are built on this reality for us. Politicians will say whatever they have to say today so that you will vote for them, and they'll say a new thing tomorrow so that you'll vote for them tomorrow based on the reality. And I'm not getting on one side or the other, just listen, to, but based on this reality that we're looking for somebody to be a savior, to fix everything that's wrong. Advertisements and algorithms are built by Google and, and Facebook and Amazon banking on this idea that if they, that this one thing, they're, pay, they're getting billions of dollars working 24 hours a day, banking on the idea that we'll bow down to the idol of greed and jealousy and lust and this reality that something out there will satisfy me that I don't have right now. That relationship, that recognition, that item that, that I'll give all of my attention and all of my money to just so that I can have it. And the reality is that I fall and pray to it just the same way that you have. That I see those things and I'm like, oh yeah, that's where real life, that's where the good life is and those things. And, and what, I ha what I end up doing is getting those things and continuing to grumble about something else that will eventually satisfy me. But the ultimate reality for all of us and what we talk about is hearts that trust God, that the lives that are marked by gratitude, celebrating the goodness of God are hearts that trust God. And what Paul points out in two specific ways, and it's hearts that are aiming, to, aiming for God's approval, not man's. 
Listen to what he says. We're not trying to please, excuse me, we are not trying to please people, but God who test our hearts. You knew, you know that we, that we never use flattery, nor did we put masks to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. What does he say? Listen, I, I'm, I didn't spend time trying to win your approval. That lives that are aiming to, or, or, or trusting God, that are, that are celebrating God's goodness, or hearts that are transformed by the goodness of God, that are trusting in the goodness of God, look at, look at life in general and we say, we're not aiming for the approval of man, we're aiming for the approval of God. And that approval of God, because there's, there's I, don't, I don't want you to think that what you're trying to do is earn God's smile. You earned the God, God, you couldn't earn it. Jesus did that for you. But aiming for that approval of man over God is walking in obedience. So rather than, rather than trying to find or trying to have the smile or the, the approval of all of these people by searching for the things that, that our culture and our society want us to search for, we're going to say, hey, I'm going to be obedient to Christ no matter what the cost. And lives that are marked by, by celebrating God's goodness are people who aim, aim for God's approval and not man's and remain steadfast in the face of opposition and suffering. For you, brothers, he says in, Thessal, in, in chapter, excuse me, in verse 14, for you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God, of God's church in Judea, which, which are in Christ Jesus, who suffered for you, <laughs> who suffered from your own people the same things, those those churches suffered from the Jews. That in the face of the suffering, in the face of the sorrow and the struggles that they would face and, and, and being ostracized because they trusted God more than they trusted these Greek or going to these Greek temples, they were ostracized from jobs and, and, and communities and family even. In the face of that suffering, they trusted God more than they trusted others. And lives that are marked by gratitude, that celebrate God's goodness, are lives that remain steadfast even in opposition, even when losing those things, remaining steadfast, trusting and, and walking in obedience to Christ no matter what the cost, believing what Scripture says, that He's given us everything that we need for life and godliness, that He is the Good Shepherd and we shall not want. He leads us in green pastures. His rod and staff, it comforts us that we trust him, trust in his goodness. And third, this morning, celebrating God's goodness, it begins in our hearts, and those are hearts that are entrusted with the goodness of God. Hearts that are entrusted with the goodness of God. First Thessalonians 2 and verse 4, and then we're going to skip to verse 13, it says this, On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. And we also thank God in verse 14, and we also thank God continually because when you received, meaning you took in God's word, which you heard from us, you accepted it, you took it in, you were entrusted with it. Not as human word, but what it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in those who believe. Have you ever felt that weight of, of being entrusted with something special that belonged to somebody else. You know, that 
as a child, I, th I think it's really hard for us to understand because most of the time, kids don't really understand what something's worth, right? But as I get older, I understand that a little bit more. And, and you know, just to kind of give an example, this, just a thought of, of a way to kind of explain this. Some of y'all know that on the third Saturday of every month, right here in Columbia, they have uh, what happens nationally all the time, but there, there's a, one that happens here in Columbia called Cars and Coffee. And on that third, third Saturday in the, in the morning, there's the handful of really cool cars and a handful of, full of really cool characters that own those cars that are fun to chat with. And it's fun to walk around, drink a cup of coffee, and look at some cool cars. And, and me and my son Quinn, he really enjoys it. And so we get to, we go down there as much as we can and uh, just walk around and, and see those things. So, but here's where I need your imagination for, for just a second. So just picture a scene where downtown Columbia, and there's all of these really expensive cars and uh, these, you know, beyond, beyond just expensive, they're, they're prized by the people who own them, right? And again, your imagination, please, drop into the scene a 12-year-old T. Now, you're going to have to picture some long flowing locks there because it was awesome at that point in life. Not here, but here it was awesome. Uh, and so I think 12-year-old T dropped into this, this, this place and I am wide-eyed and ready. Right, I mean, all of these cool cars, they're, they're awesome. I, I think they're incredible. And we're walking the streets with these cool cars and I'm enthralled by it all. And really what I wanna do is I wanna put my hands on all of them, right? I wanna touch them and I wanna get in them. And, and like, honestly, I want you to give me the keys to them because I'll really show you what this thing can do at 12 years old. I mean, I've watched Knight Rider and I've watched, you know, all of the cool shows, Magnum P.I., I mean, it was Ferrari. I could probably drive that too. By 12 years old, I had mastered the go-kart. It's probably the same thing. So like, just let me go, right? Because I don't understand value. I don't understand that this car is not just expensive, that it's valuable to this in individual that owns it. I'm just ready to go. Now fast forward to however old, am I, however old I am today, which I think that's 42. And I don't even wanna get close to those cars. Like I wanna stand back a little bit and I certainly don't want 12 year old uh, Quinn, the, the other, the offspring here uh, who is that kid who wants to drive the car, right? I don't even want him to touch it for sure, right? Because I understand value. And if for some reason, for some reason, one of these guys were to give me the keys and insist that I would drive it, like I would be terrified to get behind the wheel of one of these cars because I know how much they prize them because it's valuable. It's of worth and to be entrusted with something of that great weight would be pretty heavy. And so I think about what Paul's saying here, that God has entrusted us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you look in other places in scripture, Paul understands the gravity of what God has entrusted him with. Because no less than six times specifically in some other places, you can understand what he's saying, that, that he understands that, that, that God has given him this incredible weight of the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's what compels him. He understands the incredible honor that God is the God of all creation has entrusted him that, with the gospel of Jesus and the goodness of, of God that's on the grandest display in this message of God coming to his creation to rescue them. He understands the gravity of what it is and it compels him. 
It compels him to walk into places, not to keep this message to himself, but to experience suffering in in Philippi and leave there to be chased out of the city because they were going to take his life and not to just pull back and hide and be like, whoo, I escaped that, but to go to another city where he knows that he's going to experience the same kind of suffering. And after experiencing it there, to travel to another city where he knows that he's going to experience the same kind of suffering because what he's been entrusted with is worth it. For you and I, God has entrusted us with his gospel, entrusted us with this same gospel that Paul was entrusted with. And when he faced it, what Paul says that he was unashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to bring salvation to everyone who believes. And when our hearts are transformed by the goodness of God, and our hearts trust deeply in the goodness of God. And we understand the weight of the goodness of God that we've been entrusted with. Gratitude grows all the more and increasingly we find ourselves delighted, even compelled to share our lives, share the gospel and our lives with one another. That's what Paul says. We cared for you because we loved you so much that we delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So we want to share the gospel. We're, we're invited. We, we talk about it all the time here that we, we believe that, that transformation and growth happens better in, in, in circles than in rows. And what we mean is we want you to be a part of a group where you share life together. We invest in one another and beyond that to, to grow and in, in, in reaching our neighbors and our neighborhood and our community and the, the nation and the world that we invest our lives because the gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus and the goodness of God has gripped our hearts. And secondly, not only is it that, we, that we're entrusted so that we share, but we're trusted so that we live lives out, that outwardly reflect an inward transformation. Again, Paul says this this right here in verse 11. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging and confronting and urging you to live lives worthy of God who called you into his kingdom and glory. We don't have time to work through all of what both of those two passages talk about. It would be another two weeks of sermons. But I, I can tell you this, that I want to encourage you over the next several days, if you took notes, to take this back and in your time alone with the Lord, in your, in your time in spending time with God and His Word on a daily basis, I pray that maybe one of those days that you would just take a second and ask some questions. That is the faith that, that, excuse me, that the gospel of Jesus that has been entrusted to you by grace through faith, is it empowering and compelling you to more and more delight in sharing the gospel in your lives with others? Is that gospel of of Jesus that that has been entrusted to you by grace through faith, is it empowering and compelling you to live outwardly lives that reflect an inward transformation? Lives that are worthy of the kingdom, as Paul says. Lives that are counter to our culture because they live trusting God more than trusting in the praise of man or positions or power. I want to encourage you just to take some time and think about those things this week. And respond to God as he moves and, and maybe brings conviction and to respond in obedience, to be encouraged as, he spend, as you spend time with him in those places. As we close, and I'm going to invite the band to come back up, I, I, believe the, I believe the gospel points to a reality that our better day, there's better days ahead of us. 
that we're headed towards better. Uh, ultimately, uh, a better in the fact that, that we're going to spend eternity with him in a place that is where there is no more tears and no more sorrow and all the brokenness that we experience. And I know everyone in this room has been touched by some form of brokenness. And so I believe that the gospel points us to a reality that is better. And you know, sometimes we poke fun at people who live in the glory days, right, that get stuck in the past. And, and, and I, I, before you go all Uncle Rico on me for all you Napoleon Dynamites fans, I'm not asking you to live in the past. But each year as I sit with those guys, as we spend just that weekend together and we tell those stories and we laugh and we cry and we share life together, it doesn't make me want to go back to the glory days. Even this week as I was preparing and thinking about those guys and Friday night got to see one of those and, and we just through just talking there, just celebrating just this past and, and the things that God had done and the places that, the, that we had experienced, it doesn't make me want to go back there. It compels me to go forward. It compels me to say that, God, you have, you have more things that you're going to do. You have more lives that you're going to transform. You have more ways that you're going to move and do incredible things. And it spurs us on. It doesn't make us want to go back. And I can't help but think that as Paul writes this, as he, as he reminisces in the first two chapters about all that God had done as he was writing from Corinth back to this church in Thessalonica and reminding himself of the stories of these people whose lives were transformed and they lived faithful lives. And he gets these reports back from, from Timothy that he sent over there that they're living faithful and they're growing, that he's encouraged by that. It spurs him on to continue to share the gospel and continue to go to places where he would face opposition. And so this morning, as we close with just this, a song together, maybe, maybe it's a time for us to reflect and maybe reminisce for a minute. The ways that God has done incredible things in your own heart, not just so that we go back, but we go back so that we can go forward. We go back to be reminded that he's faithful and he's good. And he's, who, he who was good and faithful then will continue to be faithful today and will be faithful tomorrow. Feels a little weird to cut too quickly to this, but it's not an end of worship or an end of that reflection. I, I wanna invite the ushers to come. I want to try to keep this, this kind of just space for us to be able to think through. But you know, as, we, as we gather every week, we worship in the way that we sing and we open up God's word and we hear from him. But we also worship and we reflect in God's goodness in the way that we give. So this isn't a break in that. It's a continuation of it. So if you're here this morning, and, and I just want to thank you guys, for those of you who are a part of Rolling Hills, and this is your home, and the way that you give, and I mean, the way that you give is just incredible. Uh, next week, we're going to celebrate the end of this uh, For the Kingdom campaign. Some of you don't know what that is. That's cool. You're, you're a result of that at some level. This body is a result of that at some level. This people that of the body of Rolling Hills far before we were a thing committed to give so that we could do things like this. As we look forward and celebrate the things that God has done in the past, we look forward and say, God, we want you to continue to do that. And so I thank you for giving as we look forward next week to celebrating. And I hear confetti cannons is a thing, but I hadn't got approval from Mr. Reggie who just heard that. So sorry. 
We just want to celebrate those things. And so if you're giving, thank you so much for giving. And if this is a moment, just we're, if you're a guest, we're not asking you to give this morning. We'd just love for you to drop that card in the, in the offering or your prayer request that you can write on the back of that. And we'd love to, to connect with you later on. But I'm going to pray and then we're going to collect that offering and then we're going to sing together just as a moment of just reflection of God's goodness that begins in our heart and compels us to move forward. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. I thank you for this church that you've gathered here. Wow, you're so good. And I think countless times this week that, God, as I was preparing, that just you reminded me of your goodness and just those moments of just joy and emotion just overwhelmed me because you are so good. And God, I believe, I believe that you will continue to be good because your word says that you will. It says that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we have hope that yesterday wasn't the best, that our best is yet to come. And so Father, we, we trust you. We trust you more than we trust ourselves. And God, I pray that this space as we give, but also as we reflect, that you by your Holy Spirit would flood this moment, just reminding us of your goodness compel us forward to be people who live lives worthy of your gospel. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, which is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts and content like the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and so much more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, we'd invite you to download our app or visit us at our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can find and follow us on Instagram and Facebook and stay up to date on all the things that are happening at Rolling Hills. We're so thankful for you.